Let's take a minute and pray together. Lord, we don't assume that, um, that because preparation has been made and because words will be read and spoken, that we would be transformed by the Scriptures and the power of Christ working in them and through them. We don't assume those things. We ask you for those gifts. And we pray, as uh, Peter led us earlier this morning, that you would give me words to speak and allow me to do that with boldness and without fear, without fear that somehow I'm not enough for the moment or that we aren't enough to follow through on all that you have to teach us. Fearless, trusting that Jesus can accomplish in us more than we can imagine. This is our prayer. Would you give us this gift, we pray, because of your great love for your son. Amen. So I hear that God is promising to meet the deepest needs of the human race. What do I have to do to get in on this? A man came to Jesus and asked a question like that once. Um, he was a ruler, even an elder uh, in the religious community or a, a, a councilman in, in modern-day politics, someone respected, a leader, came to Jesus and he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? When, when the scriptures talk about eternal life, they're talking about this commitment God has made to meet the deepest needs of the human race. Uh, later, we're going to hear other people listening to this conversation between Jesus and the ruler, and they're going to talk about salvation. They're going to say, Lord, who can be saved? That language in scripture also points to the same concept, that God wants to meet the deepest needs of the human race. This ruler has come to Jesus to say, what can I do to be part of that? And um, <clears throat> the problem is that this ruler is a slave. He is enslaved to a false love, wealth. And Jesus challenges him on that. The man says, I've done everything God ever asked of me. You list a commandment, I've obeyed it. And Jesus says, okay, well, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. Take everything you own and sell it. Give the proceeds to the poor and then come follow me. And the man says, I've done everything God ever asked of me, but I'm not doing that. No way. And Luke writes, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. That's where we pick up our story is it possible for our deepest needs to be met? Is it possible for our false loves to be uprooted from our hearts and replaced with a, a true love for God and what he's doing in the world? Is it possible for us to be forgiven all the things we've been singing about? Is it possible for us to be moved from spiritual death to life? Is it possible for us to be made whole? That's where we pick the story up as Lauren comes to read for us. The scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 18, verses 23 through 30. But when the ruler heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. 
For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Right now, Trisha and I are reading a story called, well, depending on which version of the book you might own, it's either Curdie and the Princess or The Princess and Curdie, written by a Scottish pastor and author named George MacDonald. Uh, we're reading it along with you know, 20 or so friends who gather with us on Tuesday nights at our home to talk about the intersection between the gospel and literature. Curdie is uh, a young boy. He's maybe 13 by the time you uh, encounter him in this particular book, and he's having an encounter with this princess, and she uh, is challenging him and says, I, I've, I've, got a, I've got a job for you, and I have to warn you, it's going to be a hard one. It's going to cause you a lot of pain. It's going to be difficult. Do you think you're up for it? Now, at this moment, Curdie has to wrestle with something in his soul, right? He has to ask the question, you know, do I think I'm strong or weak? Am I strong enough to do it or am I too weak? The challenge comes and the moment of truth, and, and some of us are like, we are, I got this kind of people. You tell me there's something hard for me to do, and I'm going to respond by saying, let me at it. You know, I got it. I can do this. I'm strong. And some of us, you know, the glass is half empty. Um, something hard? Well, maybe not. Maybe I could get ready sometime, but not right now. Uh, never mind. I'm not sure I've got it. Those are the two ways that the human heart tends to respond when we hear this word, right? Jesus is having this conversation uh, with his followers after this rich ruler has walked away very sad. And Jesus has commented, you know, it is really hard to uproot love of wealth out of someone's heart uh, so that they could learn to love me instead. And uh, it'd be easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for that to happen. And the question is asked, well, Lord, who, who can be saved? If God is offering somehow one day to meet all the deepest needs of the human race, <clears throat> we surely want to be part of that. We want to be delivered, rescued from everything we need rescue from. But it sounds like you're saying this is impossible. And then Jesus says, yeah, it's impossible for human beings to be changed in this way in their own strength. Impossible. Well, we hear that word and we tend to say, okay, look, you, you tell me that I have needs and I can't meet them. I'm either going to say, yes, I can. 
Like one potential response here is arrogance. We can't do this because we are strong. Jesus says what human beings need the most we cannot do for ourselves. One potential response is this kind of arrogant, oh, oh yes, I can. I can do it. That was the approach this ruler had, right? If you read the story, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, you give me a challenge, I am up for it. You tell me what I have to do. I got this. And uh, Jesus says, well, you know, you know the commandments. Have you obeyed those? And he says, yes, I have kept them all since I was a young boy. Whoa, this is a guy full of self-confidence. We might call it arrogance. The other response is apathy. Uh, yeah, Jesus, you're right. This is beyond our reach because we are so weak. And since we can't meet our own needs, then maybe they just can't be met. That's kind of the attitude behind the question. Those who heard Jesus talking said, Lord, then who can be saved? It sounds like you're saying this, this just won't work. Well, it reminds me a bit of one of my favorite movies, <clears throat> The Princess Bride. This is a guy named Miracle Max. And um, you know the scene where uh, they, they bring uh, Inigo to him? You know, spoiler alert, Inigo's not really dead. Miracle Max says he's only mostly dead, right? And um, there's a part of us that thinks that there are strong people in the world um, with whom the things Jesus is talking about aren't impossible, right? Hey, if you're a strong person, it is possible because you're only mostly spiritually dead. You're only mostly enslaved to false loves like wealth and power and getting enough likes. <laughs> you're only mostly broken and needing to be made whole. But you're strong enough that you're not completely in need. And so if you're strong enough, maybe these things are possible for you. That's that arrogance coming back around. And then there's this sense that some of us have that say, you know what? <clears throat> uh, Miracle Max is wrong. Uh, we're all too dead to be rescued. We are all too enslaved to idols to be delivered. We are all too broken to be made whole. This is not even possible for God. Even a miracle couldn't give me what I need. Jesus, when he says the word impossible, it's not because he's sitting enthroned in heaven looking down at us and saying, I'm wanting to poke you enough to wake you up to show that you are strong. I'm telling you it's impossible as a way to rouse you up to show that you can do this. Jesus is not trying to build our self-confidence when he tells us, you know what, you have deep needs, you can't meet them, it's impossible in human strength. But he's also not trying to discourage us. He's not saying, you know what, I'm telling you this is impossible because I want to crush you. I want to suck all the life and hope out of you, and I want to remind you that you're a miserable little weak loser. Jesus isn't doing that. Arrogance and apathy are not the only two options. 
He's actually trying to draw us into a completely different response. One that we'll call surrender. What does that even mean? Let's start here. Surrender begins with seeing our deepest needs through the right lens. See, arrogance sees our deepest needs through the lens of human strength. I have it. Therefore, I can meet my own needs. Thank you. Or apathy sees our deepest needs through the same lens of human strength. I don't have it. I'm weak. Therefore, there's no hope. But surrender is this posture that says, I want to see my deepest needs through the lens of God's strength, not my strength. Not my strength or lack thereof, but God's strength becomes the lens through which I want to see all of my needs. And you hear Jesus saying that, don't you? What is impossible with men is possible with God. If you're looking through the lens of what's possible for human beings to accomplish for ourselves or by ourselves, it's the wrong lens. Look through this one. What's possible for God? What is possible with him? And uh, this is the point at which you're allowed to say, okay, sometimes pastors talk in the abstract. Surrender sounds very spiritual. I don't know what it means. And Jimmy, we heard you a few weeks ago say that this lesson of surrender was what God is trying to teach you on a sabbatical. So it's only available to people who get to go on sabbaticals. And I don't get to do that. So help. We don't really need my help. Jesus gives us all the help that we need. Because interestingly, while he's telling us to shift our perspective from what's impossible with human beings to what is possible because of God's strength, he gives us two incredibly specific and practical living illustrations of what this means. Surrender means coming to God like an infant who relies on our Father for everything. It is no accident that the, the story we read in Luke chapter 18 before this rich ruler comes to Jesus is about people carrying their children, even infants, to Jesus so that he could bless them. And the disciples said, no, 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 don't bother him. He's too important. And, uh, and Jesus says, stop. Let them come to me because the kingdom of God belongs to people like this. And then he says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And one of the things that means is this, this sense that I am this infant who cannot meet my own needs. I'm this little tiny something that needs to be carried to God by someone else. My legs won't get me there. They aren't strong enough. They aren't big enough. They aren't developed enough. I, I don't have those muscles yet. I need Jesus to carry me into the Father's presence. And when I get there, I won't even know what to ask for. I'm that tiny baby in God's presence that I don't even know what I need. Surrender is that. It is, it is being in this, this place where we say, Lord, the point is not that I am weak and you are strong. The point is 
You are the Father, and your love and care will give me everything I need to live and grow. Think about an infant. It will not stay alive unless someone else cares for it. It will not grow unless someone else feeds it, loves it, clothes it, shelters it, protects it, provides for it. That's the context in which Jesus says what's impossible with human beings is possible for God. The next story in Luke 18 tells of uh, Jesus talking to a, a blind beggar. A blind man who can't heal his own eyes. He can't make himself whole. And uh, he keeps calling out and saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. And the people around him are like, shh, shh, stop, stop, be quiet. And Jesus comes to him and says, what do you want me to do for you? And his answer is, Lord, let me recover my sight. Great illustration of what surrender is. He doesn't say, Lord, tell me what I have to do to heal my own eyes. Right? Jesus says the question is, what do you want me to do? You can't do it. But I will do it. What do you want me to do for you? And the answer is, I, I need you to do for me what I can't do for myself, what no one else can do for me. And he's been crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Surrender is this posture that says the power and mercy of Jesus is all that I need to be made whole. I won't try to make myself whole today. I won't try to make anybody else whole. The power and mercy of Jesus is all that is needed to make people whole. It's impossible for us to do that to ourselves. It's impossible with human beings relying on human strength. But Jesus says, it is not impossible. It is possible because the Father's love and care are great enough to provide for all of the infant needs of his people. And my power and mercy as Lord are great enough to make whole every person who is broken. If they will just come to me and trust me. Surrender is this daily practice of recognizing something is going to happen today to expose how weak and needy I am. Something's going to happen today in my life that's going to expose my deepest needs. So deep that no human being on this planet can meet them. I can try to run from them, I can try to hide them, I can try to numb myself to them, but to really actually meet them where they are, nobody on this planet can do it. Something's going to happen to me today to reveal that level of weakness and need. And then leaning into that with this, with this sense of confessing, you know what, I am likely to respond in that moment with arrogance or apathy or some weird combination of the two. I am not likely to respond well when something pokes me and shows me how needy I am. So Jesus, in that moment, would you help me to look through the lens of the Father's strength that you have made available to me through your mercy and power? That is this daily practice of surrender. Because we live in a hard world. You don't get to take a day off 
from having your weakness and need exposed. And you don't get to take a day off from having a heart so twisted as to sometimes go, I can fix it or whatever. There's no way to fix it. You have a heart that's going to be drawn to those. And so Jesus invites us to this posture of trusting his power, grace, and mercy. That's the right lens for every day. Surrender. Let me take a minute to talk about how that applies, not just to personal individual growth, but to our life together as a church. Right? So it isn't just that each of us individually needs to learn this uh, practice of surrender and, and looking at our needs through the lens of God's strength. Um, we need to learn that as a whole congregation. And so we've said that we, we think God is calling us to see people transformed by the power of Christ and the good news about him that we find in the scriptures. And, and that that's going to take the shape of being changed by God's grace as we encounter him through scripture and prayer and worship. It's going to take the shape of being people actually being known in a community of love and warmth and forgiveness and compassion. And it's going to take the shape of being a people who are sent into our world, our community, our culture to restore what's been broken and distorted by sin and all the misery that comes with it. Those are pretty big things. If I look at all of that through the lens of our strength, what we can do and what we can't do, I'm in trouble because either I'm going to say, we got this, we will do it, we will become the best church ever, or we don't have to become the best church ever, we already are the best church ever, or we can do this because we once were the best church ever, and let's just get our act back together. Nope. No. No. We can't go there. All right, well, if I don't go there, let me go back to this apathy. You know, great, it looks good on paper. We're never going to do it. It's just empty words. We'll talk about it for a few years, and then we'll realize we're just a bunch of losers. It's never going to happen. So let's scale back. You know, true mission purpose, uh, mission statement of our church is keep the lights on. Um, no. Wrong lens, wrong lens. The lens is not what we can do or can't do. The lens is what are we trusting God to do? He can do things that we think are impossible. Nothing's impossible for him. He can accomplish more in us, transforming us by his grace. He can accomplish more among us, weaving us into a community. He can accomplish more through us as he sends us out into the world. If we don't believe that, just, just listen to Jesus talking to his followers here in Luke 18. He seems to really believe that there's something about him that could strip away love of wealth so that love for him replaces it. He seems to think that really being changed by God's grace is possible. And Peter pipes up and says, Lord, 
we've left everything we had to follow you. And Jesus lets that comment stand. He doesn't say, Peter, you're bragging. He says, he, he, Jesus seems to believe that his followers being a we, strengthening one another in the challenges of what it's like to give up so much to be faithful to him, that that is a good thing. That's a reality he came to foster. These are things that can happen, not because we're good or not because we're weak, but because our Father loves to care for infant children who are needy. And our Savior loves to ask broken people, what do you want me to do for you? I can make you whole. When Curdie's standing in front of the princess, he doesn't respond with arrogance, saying, yes, whatever it is, how hard, however hard it is, I can do it. And he doesn't respond by saying, I'm afraid I'm not ready, never mind. His response is, princess, you are the only one who knows whether I'm ready. And I will trust your judgment. His posture is one of surrender to her wisdom and her power. If we are a weak church, these things that God is calling us to will never happen. And if we are a strong church, these things will never happen. The only way these things will happen is if we are a surrendered church, trusting our Father to meet our every need through His grace and mercy, trusting Jesus to make whole and do for us what we could never do for ourselves because of His power and great mercy. Let's follow him into that surrender every day. Let's do that. One-on-one, -on -one, our personal growth with him. But he also wants to call us to do that together as a body. Not a strong church, not a weak church. A church surrendered to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, We don't know if we are ready. We know that sometime today, something will happen that will show us how needy we are and how weak we are. It may be a physical ailment or a pain. It, it may be a phone call that's hard, hard news that we're not ready for. It, it may be our own love of our own reputation coming up and this desire to boast to other people about how wonderful we are. It may be a temptation to turn a cold shoulder to someone in need, but something will happen and we're not sure that we're ready. We will trust you to be at work in us, to meet our deepest needs, 
and to make us ready to be the people you are calling us to. Lord Jesus, thank you for the freedom that we have, that we don't have to view the world through the lens of our own strength. We don't have to pretend we're strong. We don't have to despair that we're weak. We are invited into the freedom of seeing the world through the lens of the strength that is given to us from the Father because of you. Help us to rejoice in that and practice it each day, we pray. Amen.